Hello and welcome to episode number 48 of Hi, Play Me Tape. Hello. <laughs> well, hello. A show where we delve song by song into the music that made something. Hello. I'm joined as always by my good friend Darren. Booyah. And <laughs> my name is Jake. You're in Hi an awfully there. good mood. Hello. Hi. How you doing? <laughs> well, we got a big 70s song today, so I got my old 70s thing going on. Beauty. Hi there. How you doing? Hi there. Hello. hello. <laughs> oh, hello. That's my best George Takei impression. It sucks, but man. No, it's not it's not far off. Ooh, hello. How you doing? Uh super. Super. Yeah. How how are you doing on this wonderful Mother's Day? It is a wonderful Mother's Day. I got up this morning and my daughter and I baked cookies many oh, many cookies for my nice. wife and for my mother Sweet. we baked what kind of cookies i i don't want to talk about it oh oh <laughs> they, they, they didn't they, turn out super oh, well oh how come they were okay i mean they turned out to be decent cookies were they, but they just they just weren't what they were supposed to be or oh. look like what were they supposed to be it's a it's a, a style of cookie called a lace cookie, an oatmeal lace cookie. Sometimes it's referred to. Okay. It's a very specific cookie that my wife was a a huge fan of. Her mother made them when she was growing up, and it turns out that um, the recipes that I looked at, I tried three of them. We spent all morning baking. I tried three different recipes, and as it turns out, you may not know this, recipes are liars sometimes. Yes. They're damn liars yeah. sometimes. Lying Not always. I was I was pleased with the way the cookies, they were just weird oatmeal cookies when we were done, and they were kind of good, but they just were nothing like what they were actually supposed to be. So it was a, it was a heartbreaker. Put the cookie down now. <laughs> Who told you you could eat my cookies? <laughs> I don't remember a scene in any Arnold movie that revolved around cookies. What? Was there? Am I missing something? Oh, dude, really? Kindergarten Cop, Turbo Man, oh. <laughs> Phil Hartman. To, to be oh, fair, to your, be fair, your wife's Ar- cookies. <laughs> <laughs> that is arguably the Arnold movie I've seen least. Really? Yeah, I think uh, I've only seen it once. I try and watch it every year. What is? What's it called? I don't even remember. It's a. Uh, it's a Christmas movie. Jingle all the way. Jingle all the way with, with Sinbad. With Sinbad, yeah. And and Phil Hartman, the great, the late, great Phil Hartman. And the kid from Star Wars. Yeah. Oh, your wife's cookies. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> yep. So, good cookies, eh? Great yeah. job. Yeah, it's good stuff. That's nice. You I had like a good that. Mother's Day? You and your wife had a good Mother's Day? Yeah. Did you so. do any baking? <laughs> mm, no. You knew better than that, didn't you? Yes, no yeah. baking for me. I'm not much of a baker. Right. I don't, I don't really bake. Nor am I, as it turns out. Oh, that's okay. You gotta start somewhere. I'm sure she appreciated the sentiment. Yeah. Some yeah. of them worked out okay in terms of what they were, right. what the target was. So it wasn't the, the end of the world. Good. Yeah. So did you want to talk a little bit about a list? Do I? <laughs> we, this is has nothing to do with the topic of today's episode. It's not even really in the in the same ballpark. But it was just a list that was published this week. We talked about it a little bit, and we thought it'd be fun to talk about it on the show. 
It's not a music list. It has nothing to do with music. We're very, very sorry. But we still thought it was fun and an interesting list to talk about because... I'm not sorry at all. I, I think we both got problems with this list here. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is Rolling Stone's best TV sitcoms of all time. Okay, so why is Rolling Stone, a music magazine, doing a top sitcom list? I don't know, but if a music magazine can cover this list, then I think we can cover this list. Yeah, good call. Yeah, so there's our there's our our justification. License. Totally yeah. justified. Exactly. Uh, this was published this week. It's a it's a list of hundred. We wanted to talk about it in broad strokes, but we, we're really just going to go through the top ten just to talk about the top ten, uh, and then we'll sort of circle back and talk about our overall impressions. Make sense? Yep. Get her done. All right, let's start right off the top with number 10. Number 10 is The Larry Sanders Show, 1992 to 1998. That was Gary, Gary Shandling's um, talk show. Sort of, It's almost a mockumentary, really. It was almost a mockumentary series. It was the backstage goings-on of this fictional talk show, this late-night talk show. Did you ever see it? Were you a fan? Hey, now. Yeah, hey, now, Hank. That's right. <laughs> Um, I did. I did watch it. I was yeah. a huge Gary Shandling fan as yeah. a stand-up comedian. He was amazing. Sure was. And he was such an awkward-looking guy, too. I didn't watch a ton of it. We'll probably talk a little bit more about him because way back in the list, somewhere in the 20s or the 30s, is the Gary, it's Gary Shandling show. show. Yeah. yeah. was a great show. Yeah. It is worth talking about for sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh Again, my memory fails me, but I did watch a lot of the Larry Sanders show. And from what I remember, it was amazing. But um, yeah, I don't remember a lot, unfortunately. I just, yeah, it's a good show. It's a good yeah. show. It was a great cast, solid you, writing. You watched a fair bit of it? Um, I watched enough of it, yeah. It, it also, um, it just had such a great concept. And you saw... Th- you saw similar things play out again years later on a show like 30 rock. It just, it was such a great idea. It was sort of behind the curtains and it just, it was a lot of fun. They did a really good job with it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Number nine is parks and rec ran 2009 through 2015 in the first season. If you ever saw it in the first season, it's very much the office, but (laughs) <laughs> you know, with a, a, a slightly different office setting and slightly different office characters. Huh. I never saw it. I oh, never really? watched the show. Yeah. Never it watched got, it. It got a great deal better after, probably after the first season. Like but The I, Office? Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Um, but it, the, in the first season, the thing that struck me the most was it just, it really wants to be The Office, but it kind of isn't. And then they they sort of went off and did their own thing in the second season and thereafter. Right. And that's probably, that's just me. That's probably not even a fair assessment. I really haven't seen those early episodes since they were first aired. So I could be, that could have just been a snap judgment I made early on with very little basis. I don't know. That was with uh, Tina Fey's sidekick, right? Amy Poehler, yeah. 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 She's great. Amy Poehler's great. She is great. She is great. Uh, in Blades of Glory. <laughs> Did you ever see the figure skating comedy? With... No. You're not a Will Ferrell fan, so I don't even know why I bring it up. But... Well, I like Will Ferrell. I just hate Talladega Nights. Yeah. Fair. Fair. Tough but, but fair. But Step Brothers is bloody brilliant. It is. So good. <laughs> I really like Blades of Glory. It's so juvenile, but it just, 
It really makes me laugh. And Amy Poehler is fantastic in it. She's really funny. I may have to check it out. Yeah. I mean, you really, really got to appreciate figure skating. Although oh, your I argument, do. your argument for Talladega Nights might hold true in the same way. You, you might just find that it completely makes fun of figure skating and it might enrage you. I don't know. Oh yeah. I might have a problem with that. Yeah. Number eight is the Honeymooners. CBS, 1955, 1956. Jackie Gleason. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I watched it. Landmark show. Yeah. I think it was pretty pretty funny. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was a classic sitcom that was yeah. used as the inspiration for many, many sitcoms that followed it. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> There's just no end to the One sitcoms the... that came along thereafter and took inspiration from it. Even, I mean, even into really recent sitcoms king of queens is just another variant of it right you really look at it i mean it was really the blueprint of so many sitcoms that came that came after it especially these... the animated ones flintstones yeah. and simpsons yes i feel like the they really for sure yeah they, they really owe a lot to it definitely one of these days alice straight to the moon straight to the moon alice number seven the mary tyler moore show 1970 to 77 on cbs did you ever watch it? It was in rerun regularly while we were growing That's up. That's where she know. was a news lady. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She yeah, worked at the yeah. news desk at a, yes, I watched at, a local, at a local news outlet. It was a good show. It was a great show. Yeah. That was uh, Ed Asner too, right? Ed Asner was in that, yeah, as, yeah. as Lou Grant. Betty White was in it. Ted right. Knight was in it. Ted Knight. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. It was a big cast and it was great writing. And it has one of those episodes that's sort of considered one of the greatest episodes of a sitcom of all time. Do you know where I'm going? No. The Chuckles the Clown episode. Okay. So I don't even remember. Oh, man. I don't even remember the the MacGuffin that gets the whole, you know, gets her into a funeral for this Chuckles the Clown character. I guess he was a TV clown or something. The jelly of it, of the whole bit is... She's giving a eulogy for Chuckles the Clown. And as she's talking about his life, she can't keep a straight face. And she's Ouch. fighting to keep a straight face <laughs> because it's so inappropriate for, for her to laugh. And, you know, he's a clown. Yeah. And, and everything that he was doing in his, in his career and in his life was so hilarious. But she, she's fighting to not break. And it's just, it's, a, it's an incredible episode. You can hate the rest of the show. You can hate 70s television, whatever. But that's... Yeah, it's a pretty big episode, and I think it probably holds up pretty well today. Yeah, I, I remember watching it. I'm sure it was in reruns because it was mm-hmm. before our time for the most part. Um, yeah. But Ted Knight, Ted Knight is like a, like the precursor to Phil Hartman. Oh, yeah. Ted Knight was great. Too he Close for Comfort. Did you watch yeah, Too yeah. Close for Comfort? Oh, yeah. Uh, a lot of people episode. don't realize how much his voice was used in cartoons. You know, he was the narrator on Super Friends. Come on. Back on planet Krypton. I that had Ted, no yeah, idea. That was Ted Knight. Am- amazing. So yeah, very much yeah. like Phil, the an early version of Phil Hartman. Yeah. Cool. Number six, MASH, CBS, nineteen seventy two oh. to nineteen eighty three. Were you a fan of MASH? Huge fan. Huge fan. Huge, yeah. huge fan. What a yeah. phenomenal television show. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wasn't I, the biggest fan. I I saw a fair bit of it, but I. I, I can't even explain what a huge cultural moment the final episode was. Right. 
just what a, I just a, an incredible cultural touchstone that final yeah. episode where it, I don't even know the percentage but it was just you know most of America watched <laughs> it was, yeah it was it was gigantic that was some show man yeah the writing the writing was incredible and yeah. and for a sitcom some of the stuff that it touched on oh my god was phenomenal what a show and it what wasn't a it, show it was it was never it never went in the same direction um that Hogan's Heroes went where it was sort of silly where it needed to it felt like it needed to shy away from I mean it had its silliness Jamie Farr's character oh. was was always <laughs> yeah. crazy but yeah. but always funny yeah you know it's just yeah what a show what yeah. a show amazing number that 5 definitely definitely belongs on the list oh yeah absolutely number 5 all in the all in the family CBS 1971 to 79 I guess renamed later in the the final season or two Archie Bunker's place right the show that gave us Rob Reiner yes meathead yeah that's a show that I've watched recently multiple times in reruns okay and it is still very very funny yeah I know that it's controversial for good reason but man is it funny well, I, I mean, it's satire and a lot of people yeah, take it straight on and it's not meant to be taken yeah. in that way. Yep. So I get it, but... Um, it's a yeah, good show, it was, man. It was a landmark. And again, not always the feel-good either. The, no. The feel-good hit, hit either. No, definitely not. Yeah. Yeah, good one. Number four might be a surprise because of what a monster show this was. That it's not number one because you could easily see it being number one. I love Lucy, fifty one right. to fifty seven. Yeah, I mean, I love Lucy. The show did just about everything. All the things that we really think about when we think about sitcoms. I mean, they were there doing it in the fifties. It just did you watch much of it? Oh my god! How could you get away with it? Yeah. get away from it? It was everywhere. I mean, it they, was. They, they reran it through ooh, almost into the nineties. I'm sure they did rerun it in the nineties. Now we didn't get Nickelodeon in Canada. And so we didn't get Nick at night, but it, I think it continued on Nick at night nightly every day throughout the nineties. No we didn't get it then, but I, I know it continued. Wow. It was a great show. Yeah. It, it, I mean, she was funny. There's no doubt. And Desi Arnaz was funny too. Yeah. It was, it was great cast. It, Great it chemistry. Was some show, man. Yeah. She's so smart and did yeah. so much. Uh, what do I personally have to thank her for? I don't know. Without Lucy, there would have been no Star Trek. What? Yeah. She gave it a home. Come she on. Saw, she saw promise when the other studios didn't. When you watch a, a, an old rerun of Star Trek, when they run it on space, it's night- Desi Lou? Desi Lou. Yeah. No kidding. I did not it. know that. That's yeah. cool, man. Yeah. Wow. Very cool. I've got a plan. (laughs) (laughs) It's my favorite. Will Shatner. (laughs) Love it. Brilliant. Uh, Number three. And I was going to say no surprise here, but maybe maybe you expected this to be higher. Number three is Seinfeld. 89 I did expect it. I figured that would be number one. Yeah. I really did. Yeah. Uh, So foundational for sort of a 90s sitcom yeah that there's this whole trope of seinfeld's not funny that 
the the people that didn't grow up with Seinfeld look at it and don't find it funny because of how much of Seinfeld is in shows that came after. Well, I don't get what's so funny about it. Well, of course you don't because yeah. Seinfeld, the DNA of Seinfeld is in everything that followed Seinfeld. That came after, yeah. yeah. Very true. It's incredible. It's a great show. It's still very rewatchable. It it was out of rerun for a long time, and I just recently noticed it in the last, I don't know, year maybe, that they've started showing it again. Well, <laughs> they've started blitzing it again in, in late night television. You can find it oh, really? fairly easily at you know, 10 or 11 at night, it holds up surprisingly well. It's still a fantastic show to watch. Maybe not oh, if you didn't grow up with it. I don't know. But oh, no. I it's... find it very watchable. Funny's funny, man. That show is incredible. Yeah. I mean, the characters are spectacular. Yeah. I mean, I cannot imagine there's a real person out there like George Costanza, but boy, would I like to meet that guy? <laughs> well, there is. It's Larry <laughs> David. To, and that's what he's really his... like. Come on. He does not have a wallet like that. Well, no, probably. Yeah, okay. There's, <laughs> there's a wallet. some fiction there, yes. And Agreed. Festivus. And uh, I mean, come on. That show was brilliant. I, I I, do, I did kind of expect that show to be at number one. Although I, I do know what's at number two, what's coming up at number two. Do you? And boy, that's a close one. Right. Number two is Cheers, 82 yeah. to 93. Man, what a show. I think I've seen every episode. Oh, yeah. Probably more than once. It was in first run when we were in high school. And so that was the period where they they also had, had dumped the reruns into that after school time slot. Yeah. So between this and um, Night Court, which were replayed <laughs> constantly. I mean, I, not only have I seen every episode, I've seen every episode, I'm sure, multiple times. Yeah, yeah. I saw the last episode of Cheers at the skydome me too get out i did you were there yeah it was terrible <laughs> couldn't hear a word couldn't hear a thing I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, what i had no idea you were there that day yeah i was there who were you with uh a friend <laughs> say no more i was there with larry <laughs> nice <laughs> Uh, I, before we left, so it was a big stunt. It was a big gimmick. It was a free entry and they showed the episode on the Jumbotron at Toronto's Skydome. Terrible. Uh, a venue that's all concrete and seats about 65,000 people and is noted for its horrible sound quality. It's a giant echo chamber. Yeah. So we sat, we watched the episodes. I know there was the laughter would crop up. So people out there somewhere were understanding it, but I wasn't one of those people. I had taped it. So when I got home that night <laughs> in the wee hours, it took us forever to get home. I was able to watch it and understand what I had seen because it was just a meaningless garbled. I don't know why we didn't leave. I don't know why we didn't just go yeah. because there was yeah. no point. Yeah, it was brutal. Brutal sound. Brutal. Yeah, it's too bad. But great show. Right. Absolutely brilliant show. Right. So good. But I don't know, man. Seinfeld, I might put Seinfeld over Cheers. Yeah. Well, the writing on both was so tight. It was so yeah. good. The, so good. The exchanges with Sam and Diane, particularly in the early seasons, wow. I mean, it just, the quality of the writing, the quality of that dialogue, it was so punchy and it was so smart and everything that you would possibly want in a sitcom. I know people have a hard time now 
younger people have a hard time with laugh tracks, but it was something that we were just raised with it. So we simply filtered it out. We ignored it. Yeah. I know that's not as easy for people that aren't raised with it to go back and watch, but oh man, you really need to. <laughs> it's yeah. really worth doing. If you can sort of ignore it and just try and get past it, then it's worth it's worth watching that show because oh my gosh. Cheers spawned a pretty awesome uh spin-off show too in Fraser. Fraser, yeah. It 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 went on for so long. I mean, he played that character for 20 some odd years. I mean, yeah. it was incredible. That was a really good show as well. Smart, smart show. Yeah. Uh, incredible writing. Uh David Hyde Pierce. Is that his name? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Spectacular character, Niles Crane. On a side note, my my brother's nickname in the fire department was Niles. <laughs> because of the way he ordered his Starbucks coffee. Oh geez. Yeah, brilliant. Nice. All right, so no, number one. Yeah. Probably not a surprise, maybe a no little controversial surprise. for us, for some people. Fox, 1989 to present, The Simpsons. So I have a bit of an issue with this. Now, you know, we are, I am, massive, massive Simpsons fan. Mm-hmm. The early years. What do, what do we say? The first 15 seasons, maybe? Mm, 12. Or seasons. 10, seasons. Maybe 10. Seasons, seasons 3 to 12. Probably, maybe? yeah. They started getting pretty weak after that, but, uh, but brilliant show, but I, I can't bring myself to accept an animated show in with Cheers and Seinfeld. Yeah. This list is interesting because. I have a hard time with that. There's a it, lot of animated on this list. Yeah. There really is a lot. And I don't like that. South Park is represented here and yeah. Bob's not Burgers is represented. Not that they're not great shows. Like King of the Hill is one of my favorites of all time. It's tough. It's almost an apples and oranges situation. It is. There's such a difference to the two that I think it should be a separate list. That's that's really interesting that that that's where your head went because that's not where my head was going when I when I said it's controversial. I you're right to point that out and I think it's valid, but that's not the controversy I was thinking of. Really? Yeah. The peak season most people put the peak at seasons two or three through about 10. It's earlier than you think that the peak period ended. Wow. Uh, According to the fans, according to IMDb, according to whoever. I think according to us. I think we would agree, no? Well, I I probably give it a little more leeway up to about season 11 or 12. But the, the point I'm making is from that period on, quality has dropped off considerably. In the first few years afterwards, I didn't. The drop off wasn't horrible. It was still no. a quality show. Yes, it I just agree. wasn't in its peak. No, not every episode was a dinger. Not every episode was brilliant and a but but it cavalcade of hilarity. Right, somewhere in the teens, you know, it turned into what they refer to now as Zombie Simpsons. Some at some point, it transitioned into this almost completely different show inhabited by the same character somehow that's not the same. So I've seen more recent episodes. I've seen episodes in seasons, you know, 20 through 30, (laughs) whatever they're up to now. They can be a tough watch. They can be. I've seen some absolute stinkers, some really, really bad episodes, not episodes that 
it, when they were in the teens, you know, when, when it, season 18 rolled around, yeah, people yeah. Were, were complaining that it's not the same anymore. I, I would always say, well, it's not peak, but it's still pretty good. And I no longer say that about episodes that are coming out more recently. It's, it's, it's not pretty good anymore. You're lucky if it's good there really aren't a lot of great episodes popping up anymore that I've seen and I'm not watching regularly. So maybe I'm speaking out of school and maybe I should just shut up, but the stuff that I'm seeing isn't blowing my mind. The stuff that I'm seeing more often than not, I lose interest in and I turn. And that's sad. That's really sad to me. It is. So does that tarnish the legacy for you? Does knowing that it's been on that long, and really only about a third of the lifespan of the show qualifies it for being on the list, should it still be at number one? No. no. That's kind of my thinking. It should deserves be. to be on the list. And those, those that first decade yeah. is as good as anything that's ever been on TV, I would yeah. argue. Yeah. However, when you've got another 20 years behind it, that is a sliding scale mediocre at best yeah it's tough it's tough to acknowledge that as as being the greatest ever even when certain episodes of the simpsons might be the greatest half hours of television you know amongst the greatest half hours of television of all time it's it's yeah. it's weird yeah it is that's a tough one it's it's easy to it, almost as a reflex to say oh the simpsons but that's because of those early episodes that yeah. we just went nuts for because they were so good. Every single line was was great. Correct. No one says that about season eighteen. No, <laughs> it just it's just no. not on anyone's radar. There was a there was a point where they sort of changed over, and you know the TV became a flat screen, and the the shows actually became HD. Were, were done in HD, and I yep. think that was a huge switchover point. That, yeah. that just kind of, not to say that the shows before were all fantastic, but I think when they hit that, that was sort of the jumping the shark moment. Yeah. They, to you know, just to put it in, all into perspective, there are writers on the show that weren't yet born when the show started. Wow. You know, so. Unreal. Mm. Yeah. Mm. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? It's a fun list, but it's yeah. missing a lot of cool stuff. How did you feel? Yeah. How did you feel about the rest of the list? And where, what what were the things that angered, outraged? Night Court, 97. Yeah. Number Are you 97 kidding me? for Night Court, yeah. In my mind, that's in the top 20. Yeah. A lot of people write it off as um, silly and dumb, and I don't think it was. I think there's a, there was a lot of smart writing on that show. Yeah. It just ran the gamut of it, it, they had some really really <laughs> you know lowbrow humor but some of the wordplay on that show some of the stuff that they did was really clever and really it fantastic was. so it's a really tough thing to pigeonhole it as being a dumb comedy and i because i don't think it ever was I, I think it did a very good job of walking you know this line between the two extremes yeah yeah it was a smart show yeah it was it was it, it could be smart and duh, duh at the same time yeah but, I was really uh, disappointed to see WKRP so high. At I 70, know. 79, I think. Come on. Yeah. Dude, no family ties? No family ties. Now, uh, is that, that because maybe it's me. not considered a full on? I, I don't know. I can't. No, no. It's definitely a sitcom. I just don't, I, I just don't think they found it of enough interest. Maybe Stop. It, 
maybe it doesn't retain its cultural relevance. We're oh, not in the era of Mar- Michael J. Fox, the superstar, any longer. So maybe it simply n- no longer has the same cultural cachet as it, Come on. As it used to have. I don't know. It, to me, it belongs with Seinfeld. It belongs with Cheers. It belongs with uh, All in the Family. It was such a good show. It It's was, top 20. It was maybe a little melodramatic. Because, you know, it was an issue-driven show. The core premise is so funny with Family Ties, particularly because, do you remember what the core premise was? The show is really a, you know, yes, it's a family sitcom. It's a family ensemble cast. Yeah. But the main dynamic of the show was they were hippie parents who had settled down and to their horror... They had a conservative this. son. <laughs> right. That was the that was the starting point of the show. And yeah, while yeah. the show's focus wasn't always on that, while it wasn't always about this combative relationship between, you know, it was a generation gap show. Yeah. Uh, the siblings just went their own way and they weren't as opposed to the parents from an um, ideological sense. But that was the premise of the show, and it was an interesting premise, and it was a fun premise. And when they played with it a little bit, it was it. It just I don't know. I know why it's not on the list. Why, Jennifer? <laughs> in the Mad Magazine version, they referred to that in the parody of it in, that they did in Mad Magazine. They referred to that character as Yonifer because yeah. she was just <laughs> such yeah. a boring, boring character. But the the dialogue between Mallory and Alex, yeah was just spectacular and then alex and the boyfriend nick who was (laughs) a male mallory she they brought in a character who was sort of her equal in every way and unreal what a show it they clicked and it worked so well it's a travesty it's not on this list it's top 20. you know what makes me sad that because there's something else that's really not represented in this list at all i get it but it makes me sad okay no gilligan what now yeah so hang on oh so the thing with gilligan and it doesn't have to be gilligan specifically but you know gilligan's island was one when i was very young i grew up with it it was bright technicolor tv show and gilligan was wacky and the show was wacky but well it started in black and white but yeah it did start in black and white yeah that's a good call but there are no there are not many shows on this list like gilligan and gilligan is kind of representative of a kind of show that seems like we left it behind almost entirely the wacky or the fantastical, maybe fantastical is a better word, but there was a glut of shows that maybe didn't make it so well out of the sixties and the seventies. Okay. So what's the hallmark? What's the landmark show of the Simpsons? What was the, the episode of the Simpsons that changed everything for the better? Do you remember? No. The monorail episode, the one that Conan <laughs> O'Brien wrote. So the monorail episode was this wild ride of an episode. Monorail. It starts off and it's got this in search of style narration by Leonard Nimoy. <laughs> There's a musical number and they completely, they bring in this new monorail infrastructure to the town and Homer gets a job. Like it throws everything on its head, just yeah. everything. And Conan came in. As, as one of the writers, Conan O'Brien, as one of the writers said, he, you know, his, his contribution was, hey, it's a cartoon. Yeah. We can do anything we want. There's Why no are rules. we limiting ourselves to Honeymooners family room drama or comedy 
when we can go anywhere and we can do anything, the strain on the budget is really pretty limited. I mean, yeah. okay, we can't reuse the same background every time, but a few more paintings, not the end of the world, not a deal breaker. And so they really ran with the ball. And that episode is just nuts. When you oh. see it in context of every, all the episodes that came before it, you say, wow, like they went just right, you know, right off the rails. The, the whole thing, the, the narration with Leonard Nimoy, it's this, <laughs> it's this framing device at the beginning of the show and they dump it by the middle of the show, by the middle of the show, <laughs> Leonard Nimoy says, well, I'm out of here. And he yeah. leaves the narration. He just gets out of it. And they don't have to finish it the way it started. They just do whatever they feel like. And it just, it made the show so much better. Well, Gilligan, and there's so many shows that were like it that were sort of rooted in this weird, fantastical idea where it's just like, why, why does it have to be a living room? Why does it have to be people standing around in the kitchen arguing about stuff? Gilligan, it's seven people on an island. You had stuff like... Um, my favorite Martian. Have you ever seen that? Or my mother, the car. Have you ever seen my mother, the car? I haven't. No. Okay. My mother, the car was a, Oh God, late fifties, maybe early sixties series lasted one season. Jerry Van Dyke plays a guy whose mother dies. She's reincarnated in the radio of his car. She's oh. the car. So wacky misadventures ensue. Is it terrible? Yeah, of course it's terrible. <laughs> of course it's terrible. Like try and imagine that being good. They, they spoofed it in an episode of the Simpsons where it was the love Matic grandpa. That's what they right. were making fun of. They were making fun of my mother, the car. Nice. You would stuff like, um, like I said, Gilligan and, and the Munsters and the Adams family. And even good the flying, shows, even the flying nun, there was this, there was a time when they experimented with the fantastical and maybe even the surreal on television. Yeah, yeah. And that's not there anymore. Yeah, true. Nowadays, we have the, the good place, and that seems like it's really playing with the format a little bit. A show like 30 Rock got a little bit weird. Like, they, they, they would let some some really, really weird things creep in. Did you ever see 30 Rock? No, never watched it. It's on Rolling Stone's list as well. I think it's, it's somewhere in the teens uh, or maybe the 20s. You know, stuff like where they had Kenneth the Page, uh, Jack McBrayer's character. Th there are a few hints throughout the series that he's just immortal nice <laughs> like he's just this more he's hundreds of years old and nice. there's another there was a, a sight gag where uh they just implied that he was a muppet i mean he there was a physical muppet <laughs> on screen in place of him anyway uh, th there are shows like that that kind of touch on that but so much of tv has switched from oh we want it to be more mature and we want it to be more grounded in reality and that's a little bit sad to me yeah I don't think everything necessarily needs to be super rooted in reality. I think there's a lot of stuff that can be really fun and can be very serious and very mature when it goes completely off the rails and divorces itself from reality. And a perfect example of that probably is David Lynch's um, Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks was just bug nuts, crazy TV series. And it was incredible on every level. And it's not a sitcom, obviously it's apples and oranges, but it just went off into a fan, a completely fantastical direction and it was all the better for it. You know, for a show that started off as a murder mystery, it just went completely off into a fantastical direction and it, that made it amazing. Yeah. The whole Gilligan's Island thing. I mean, I mean, I love that show. I've, again, I think I've seen every episode because it was on in reruns. Yeah. Um, after school. But a, a show like that, a show like Gilligan, a show like, 
the Munsters or the Adams family, they sort of get written off as campy or, or yeah, yeah, cheesy. Batman. Batman, yeah, geez. <laughs> so, I one show I didn't look for on the list was Leave It to Beaver. It's I, it's there. I can't I can't tell you exactly where it is, but it's there. And then the other one is Welcome Back, Cotter. Not there. Not, not present. There. Amazing to me that it's not. Yup. A lot of the humor probably doesn't age. A lot of the interest might simply come from the fact that Travolta is on board. But it was a fun, interesting show. It, it was. consistently was funny. Now, that's another show where if you saw the later season, did you ever see it after Gabe Kaplan left the series? I don't think so. Ooh, it's not so good. Yeah, I bet. Well, he was he was kind of the whole show. He was amazing on that show. Yeah. He was really, really good. It was amazing because you'd think that um, it kind of deserved to, to have a place there because look how diverse that show was. Yeah. You know, it was, it was incredible. I remember as a kid watching that show and loving Freddie Boom Boom Washington and oh, yeah. Juan Epstein. I didn't even get the gag, but, you know, it was it's me, Juan, Epstein, it's Juan Epstein, the Puerto Rican Jew, you know. Yeah. It, just a great a great ensemble cast. And, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they tended to venture into zany or silly plot lines, but it was always fun. It was always a, a laugh. I think we were extremely lucky to have grown up when we did and experienced the shows that we did, uh, you know, both in rerun and in live stuff. I think, um, I think that's an era of television those years. Yeah. There was some stuff in the, in the fifties and sixties, but mostly the seventies and eighties. Mm -hmm. And I just don't think you're going to see, and I guess you can include the nineties too, because friends was amazing. Yeah. Seinfeld and stuff like that. But I just don't think you're going to see TV like that again. Right. Ever. And it's too bad. I'm sad for it. Uh, the plus side is that some of the stuff that is newer that's on this list is incredible. Uh, the Office. Yeah, The Office is awesome. Community was amazing if you saw that. Never saw it. How it got to 25 on this list is, um, seems like a stretch to me, but Atlanta. Atlanta is on this list. It's newer. It It's only been running for two seasons so far, but it's really incredible as well. My kids go bonkers for Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Oh, yeah. Yeah, mine they, too. They love that show. Yeah. So, but they also love Friends. Um, I think my daughter's watched it now three times. Yeah. Yeah, my daughter as well. She went through which a, is, she tore through that. She's torn through Friends, How I Met Your Mother, The Office. Wow. And it, it seems like she could probably, she could probably watch any episode from any of those three series at any time and be perfectly satisfied to do so. Wow. So that's kind of cool. I do like Big Bang Theory. I really, really, really like that show. Yeah, That's my wife loves I, it. I laugh out loud too, every episode. So yeah, I mean, those shows, I guess, still exist or have existed recently, but I don't know that it'll ever be the same, but maybe that's the old man in me talking. Sure. It's all cyclical as well. There's the, yeah. um, there's the nod in the, though we didn't talk about it, the, the blurb that accompanies the Cosby show mm. that talks about how I don't have it in front of me, but it talks about how the Cosby show is credited and in brackets, it says rightly with saving the flagging sitcom format it is as much as I think that the Cosby show probably deserves to be on this list, despite the legacy that yeah. follows Bill Cosby around. I think it 
deserves its place on this list because it was a funny show. It was a popular show. It was a well-written show. It was, it was a good a show. Long-lasting show. I mean, just all the reasons that you can think about to include it, I think it deserves its inclusion. But I don't think it did anything to save the sitcom at that time because obviously Cheers and Night Court were up yeah. and running full bore, full steam at that point. The same thing happens every 10 or 15 years. People think that it's the that the sitcom is in its death throes and that it's on its last legs. And surely whatever, you know, the last time it really happened and that media outlets opined the death of the sitcom, it was in the early 2000s in the post friends landscape when there was nothing that kind of showed up immediately to fill the void that all the things that they were trying to put into place, the Joey spinoff and all the other things that they tried to, NBC and the others tried to put in to, to fill that void. None of them really caught right away. And it was a few years before you got a show like How I Met Your Mother or Big Bang Theory yeah. that really scratched that itch again. And so people thought, well, that's it. That It's over. Well, it's not over. <laughs> we know it's not over. You know, the sitcom is a format that's existed since the 1950s. And I don't know, just something like the laugh track going out of fashion isn't going to be the death knell of a format that has worked for generations and decades and so forth. yeah let's hope it continues i'm yeah i think i think i'm all done with reality television yeah a lot of people a lot of people are uh, feeling that yeah so let's go back to the sitcom and just have some fun shows yeah hey do you want to talk about some music <laughs> maybe kind of music yeah <laughs> Maybe not the best state to go of into course. this because this. No, it is. It this is. This week, this. It's fitting. It's going to drain us. We're so sorry that we spent so much time at the front of this episode talking about I'm television. not sorry at all because it deserved but it. But yeah, maybe you're not going to be too upset about it when you find out what the song is. But this hunk of garbage is, yeah. Friends, let us let you in on a secret. This isn't a play me tape episode. This is a don't play me tape episode. It sure is. The subject of this episode is a song that we don't care for. Much like your previous example of... We Built the City by Starship. But that's a way better song than this song. I was just going to say, we said as a metric, well, still better than We Built the City. <laughs> that was a go-to rule yeah, for whether a song was truly bad or not. But this is worse. Is this a new low for you? It might be. Yeah. I th yeah, yeah, I think it is. When I listen to it, and I, I listen to the original version, and I listen to the Captain and Tennille version, and I listen to the America version, they all suck. I mean, the Captain and Tennille version is just atrocious. Yeah, yeah, there's no, there's no good version of this song. So what song are we doing? The song we're doing is, as you, as you noted, the Captain and Tennille's 1976 classic, Muskrat Cover. Love cover cover excuse me of willis allen ramsey's classic muskrat love should we give it a listen oh i guess jesus what wow painful so be forewarned people i mean i don't know maybe you like this crap but um <laughs> it's a tough one to get through who we just listen very carefully during the muskrat solo right because that's particularly garbage Hey, Darren. Yes, Jake. Play me tape. I'd rather not. But okay.
red muskrat candlelight Doing the town and doing it right in the evening It's pretty pleasing Muskrat Susie, Muskrat Sam Do the jitterbug out in Muskrat land and they shimmy Sam is so skinny And they whirl and they twirl and they tangle Singing and jingin' a jangle Floating like the heavens above Looks like muskrat Says a Susie, honey, would you please be my missus? Susie says yes with a kisses. Now he's tickling a fancy, rubbing her toes, muzzle to muzzle. Now anything goes as they wriggle. Sue starts to giggle. That was Muskrat Love by the Captain and Tennille. This is a an excellent song choice for Don't Play Me Tape. It's, I don't, I can't even figure out why this song exists. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know who would sit down and write a song called Muskrat Love. 
Well, you do. It's it's Willis Allen Ramsey. Yeah, but but I, <laughs> what would possess him to do this terrible what, thing? Is that what you're asking? He, was he hammered on moonshine? I just I don't get it. I don't get it. And then and then <laughs> and then it gets covered by not one but two popular artists, prominent artists. Yeah, yeah. I don't get it. And then to watch the video of the captain and Tennille perform this, see the video on YouTube. I mean, the smile on her face, my God. Yeah. It's just, and they performed this song at the white house. Yeah, they sure did. That's worse than Lincoln getting up dancing (laughs) in front of the queen. No less. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. So I, I keep waiting for the punchline with this. Yeah. And it never comes. It never comes. It's just quite possibly the worst piece of crap ever that was ever a number one hit. I know there's probably crappier songs. Do you want to explain what the song is? Now, maybe people stayed and listened to the song, but I'm assuming that people got a few minutes in, uh, got a few seconds in and started to fast forward that 15 second (laughs) fast forward button. Yeah, That's yeah. my assumption. Maybe people didn't listen to the song all the way through. I, I can certainly understand that. But do you, how do you, how do you describe the song? Like, what is the song? I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know. I'm yeah. listening to it. I'm just shaking my head going, what yeah. in the so hell you, am I listening to? You reject it before the lyrics even come into play. You just. As soon as I hear muskrat, muskrat. Yeah. I'm out. Yeah. I'm out. And then the then like I said the the muskrat solo that is just some noise I guess being played on a keyboard yeah it's a, it's it's synthesizer the new technology the new and exciting technology oh, of a synth God. keyboard what a what a black mark on the that was used now the Willis Allen Ramsey version that isn't a solo a, a synth solo that's not a keyboard break that was all vocal he he scats through a wow. Uh, America, I think they had a fairly simple keyboard uh, solo in that segment yeah. of the song, but it wasn't it wasn't synth and it wasn't designed. In the Captain and Tennille version, it is very clear that what they're trying to do is sell you that these are these amorous muskrat sounds. That's yes. really what it is. Yeah. The song is a love story between two anthropomorphic muskrats named Susie and Sam. They do a night on the town. They have a meal and they dance. And I think then they do it. That's it. That's the song. And it seems like it really desperately, desperately wants to have the, the charm and the, um, the cuteness of lady and the tramp. But, there's no shared Oof. plate of pasta in no. this song. There's no, it, it. it's sweet and it's cloying. It really desperately wants to be a Disney film, but without the artistry or charm. Yeah, it's it ha- offensive. Because it has none of that stuff. <laughs> it it's, is, it offends me. It's a real wonder. Now, how did this get made? Why did this get me? Now, I can't speak to the original creation of this song because Willis Allen Ramsey is kind of an obscure, although with apparently with a cult following, but he's a, he's a kind of an obscure 
Texas singer songwriter. I couldn't find much about him and I couldn't find any subsequent hits or things that took off. This was a big hit in 1976 for Captain Antonio. So it sure I, I'm, was. I'm sure he did okay financially as a result of this song, but America picked this song up. I don't know how they got their hands on it. I don't know where they might've heard it, but they heard it. America, the band that's probably singularly famous for horse with no name. Yeah. Great song. Great song. Amazing yeah. song and strange and wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Fun song, surreal, surreal lyrics that I defy any explanation of any kind. I've been through the desert on a horse with no name. Like, what are you talking about? Anyway, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I digress. The label apparently cautioned them against it and were against America recording it. But who, whoever it was, whichever band member it was that that made the decision said, you know, they, they thought it was a beautiful melody and oh it doesn't sound like they, they cared too much about the lyrics themselves, but they felt strongly about the beauty of the melody that signaled the decline of America's popularity. as a Yeah. Band. There's a, there, this song has no flow. No. To me. Right. It's a, it's a mess. Yeah. How did Captain and Tennille pick up this song? Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. They were, tr- there are a couple. Their names are, uh, well, Tennille. Yeah. <laughs> Tony Tennille. Tony yeah. Tennille and Daryl Dragon. That's yeah. his real name. Why he's the captain and not the dragon, I will never know. Dragon and Tennille. Well, you know why they call him the captain, right? Do you know why they call him the captain? He had a hat. Yeah, he was in the Beach Boys and he wore a captain's hat on stage while he played keyboards for the Beach Boys. And he, he got nicknamed Captain Keyboard at that point. Okay, okay, yeah. And she later said she herself sang vocals for the Beach Boys. That might be how they met. Is that how they met? Uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. It doesn't no, matter. Oh my God, they had, do we, do they we sort really of met before much? that. Hey man, she sang vocals on Pink Floyd's The Wall. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, man. she's She's got a pretty decent resume. She also has an, a surprisingly okay singing voice. She's no. not a bad singer. I mean, no. it's not, and I don't think the vocals on this song are bad. At all. I, I don't think she's, I, I don't mean to trash her as a singer because no. especially as someone who can't no. carry a tune, who am I to say? She's but talented. They were driving. The America version came on and she found it cute. That's it. That's the whole story. Wow. They, they did play in the White House. They did play this for Gerald Ford and Betty yep. Ford Betty and the Ford, Kissingers. Yeah. And the Queen and Prince Philip. That really happened. Unreal. In one version, Tennille herself talks, complains in the one YouTube video that you watched about how Henry Kissinger was a sour puss (laughs) through the performance. Smart guy. They were asked to perform another song, but the other song, which was one of their current hits, I don't remember which one it was off the top of my head, they felt it was maybe a little too sexual or a little too familiar. They didn't want to perform that. And so they went with Muskrat Love instead, which was their which was their, their biggest hit at the time. Yikes. Yeah. I, I read a piece where Tony and uh, Daryl, out in the wild somewhere at an event, ran into, years later, ran into Betty Ford and Gerald Ford. Betty remembered them immediately and had to remind Gerald who they were. Don't Do you remember this is... These are the captain and Tennille and they performed at the White House for us. 
and Gerald said something along the lines of, oh, the mouse song? (laughs) (laughs) Did they sing that mouse song? Oh, Ah. man. Uh, One account of it I read indicated that the queen did not applaud at the end of the song. So as much as Henry Kissinger might have been a sour puss and grimaced through the whole song, apparently the queen did not approve. What a scene that must have been. I can't even I mean, everyone must have been shaking their heads going, what in the hell? Yeah, what are we listening to? But how does America get this song to number, like, not America, the band, the country? Yeah, the nation. It's a really polarizing song. So, 1976, Billboard's Hot 100 of 1976, the year-end list. Number one song that year, Wings, Silly Love Songs, interestingly enough. Hmm. But they didn't make billboards hot 100 for the year end it's not it doesn't appear on that list for a good reason no but hang on uh it did make number 67 on the hot 100 throughout the year okay Hmm. it was a huge hit for billboard the billboard easy listening chart wrap your head around this october 30 the week of october 30 and the week of november 6 it's it's number one on the easy listening, or I guess what they would have called at the time, adult contemporary. Yep. I maybe maybe it was easy listening back then. I don't know. So f- the the previous two weeks, Fernando was at the top of the charts. Abba. Fernando. Yeah. So it knocked Fernando off of its two week run at the top, and then Muskrat Love was in there for two weeks, followed by Barry Manilow's "This One's <laughs> for You." So Manilow knocked Muskrat Love off the top spot and and Manilow was on the top spot for a week and was then again knocked out by Muskrat Love's second two-week stint at number one. Stop. Yeah. So they had it, got rid of it. It's really easy for us to look at this and say, well, it's so cheesy. It's so 70s, you know, Uh, make comparisons to the Carpenters, who I don't even dislike. You know, or it's it's easier for us to to look and say, well, the seventies was such a period of, you know, foolishness. The seventies, you know, with Crap. their flammable clothing, <laughs> or the other end of the their, spectrum was their clothing, their purple that, bathtubs that and their brown cars that, that didn't flame; it melted onto you. Yes, <laughs> there. It was a bad time for hair. It was a bad time for clothes. It was a bad their, time. For cars it was a bad tupperware party interior design i mean just oh, yeah. everything that's wrong with american north american culture seems like it was rooted in the 70s and i don't i don't agree with any of that i, I really <laughs> i have a lot of love for the 70s and oh, 70s i do culture. too it was very brown but it was pretty awesome it was too. very brown and orange and yeah. people like to write things off with regards to that decade and i'm not i'm not a quick person to do that because i love so much of uh, so many things that came out of the 70s. And hey, man, we were born in the 70s. Exactly. I came out of the 70s. And yeah. it was also so easy for people to say, to lump anything that they didn't like about the 70s in with disco and what a, what a fiasco disco was. So it's easy for them to say, <laughs> you know, nothing of value came song. out of this era. Stop it. My but God. this song, I there's really something particularly <laughs> negative about this song. I I don't. We, I, we have teased these don't play me tapes episodes for a long time. And we did, we did the one, I don't, I, I don't necessarily love to do shows that are negative or that knock songs. I don't love doing it, but, uh, this is one that just 
it it's it demands to be seen. Would you say it's so bad it's good? Does it does it venture into that territory? No, it, no, no, okay. no. Oh dear God, no. I initially thought maybe you know maybe this is the the musical equivalent of a Troll Two or a Plan Nine from Outer Space or something like that. But it's after enough listens, and I've listened to it this week a bunch of times. I've listened to all three of the official versions. I've listened to the Captain and Tennille and the America and the Alan Will, uh, Willis Allen Ramsey version. John Pearlie Hoffman. I've listened, I've seen videos of live performances and the songs, the, the, the main Captain and Tennille version I've listened to more than once over the course of this week. The biggest problem is, yeah, it's saccharine. Yeah, it's cloying, but it's also boring. It is. It's just a, it's a charmless, boring song that's about muskrats that fall in love and maybe the there's an implication of sex i don't know did you read the part about the 45 version no okay do you know what a lock groove is uh maybe okay so the the a, a needle falls onto the groove of a record and then it goes into the grooves where the music starts to play and so it follows the groove until what until it gets to the center of the record where that musical groove dumps into an endless loop yes okay right yeah so yeah and, and now there are variations with that because there's anyway it doesn't matter there's <laughs> people have done very tricky things like uh make it so that the record goes inward out so that the needle goes outwards right the, the groove goes into the reverse order uh, or sometimes people have gotten very tricky and they put more than one track onto one side of a record. So you have to find exactly the right place to drop it and right. get groove A or drop it, uh, you know, a, an eighth of an inch over and you get groove B and it's a completely different set of songs on the, on that side of the album. So people have done some really interesting, fun things. One thing that people have discovered that you can do is put music or sounds into that lock groove. Lock so groove. instead of just silence with the record spinning, letting you know, well, it's quiet, so I guess the record's over. People will put a tone or a noise or a drum or something so that it loops endlessly. Well, that song ends with the muskrat love synthesizer. Stop it. Noises. And so if you don't pick up the the needle off the off the record it'll fall into that lock groove and it will just keep playing those muskrat sex noises ad infinitum <laughs> oh dear god until you do something about it it just goes on and on <laughs> for real unreal yeah I, yeah it's pretty mind-blowing yeah so much surrounding this song the, the fact that it became such a hit, and I, now that you say that it, it was a hit, and then it got knocked out, and then it came back. And then it came back, yeah. That's incredible. How? How did this occur? I, I don't know. There's no accounting for taste. Yeah. And there are people that genuinely love this song. One of the reactions from... Those people are idiots. <laughs> one of the reactions was uh, a surviving band member from America who talked about when they performed I don't know if they're still performing now but at the time that this was written they were still performing and he had said that when they go and they play a show if they don't play Muskrat Love they will get an equal number of people that will come to them and say it was a great show I'm really disappointed you didn't play Muskrat Love 
<laughs> as well as the people that will come to them and say, it was a really Thank great show. Not <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for not doing that to Amazing. us. Amazing. So oh my God, I love it. There, there is no shortage of people that apparently love this song, but there was no shortage of people that apparently loved We Built This City. Yeah, now, yeah. I have to say, when, when we recorded the We Built the City episode, there was something I, I felt like I needed to express and forgot to do so at the end of the episode. At the start of that episode, my position was, well, it's not a good song. I don't love it. It's not a great song. And I also don't hate it. And I'm not really sure I understand what the fuss is all about with this song. You won me over by the end of that episode <laughs> when you underscored and outlined the hypocrisy contained yeah. within that song and and just the crassness of all of it uh, you really brought me around <laughs> i have a dislike for that song yeah. i get it i get it now i get it nothing needed to be explained to me about muskrat love this was a this was a punchline frequently that i remember from sitcoms uh, getting back to the sitcom discussion that you know if you wanted to talk about the nadir of 70s culture you know all you had to do was break out a reference to muskrat love and people yeah. were immediately on the same page you know what's the what's the uh, automotive equivalent of muskrat is it the pinto what's the, what's the nadir of 70s automotive the ford granada <laughs> you didn't even have to pause 100 percent. and and beyond that it may even be the lincoln versailles yikes which was the lincoln version of the ford granada oh what made it a terrible, terrible automobile? What a pile. Uh, just a square, ugly, stupid looking thing. It just no performance. I mean, brown, brown, brown. <laughs> terrible from start to finish, top to bottom, front to back. Just garbage. Right. And yeah, I mean, you could have named it the Ford Granada Muskrat Love Edition. <laughs> it marries and, up so well. But I'm sure they would have sold a ton of them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, wow, just garbage. Yeah. So I, yeah, yeah, Ford Granada. <laughs> yeah, go look it up. I will. Listen listen to the song while staring we'll at st a photo of a brown four-door <laughs> Ford Granada. And let me tell you, it'll transport you right back in time. Sure. You'll, yeah. you're, you'll wish you were sitting on, a, on an olive green toilet seat. Right. Uh, in your carpeted bathroom. Your avocado-colored refrigerator. Your, yeah, your shag-carpeted bathroom. Ew. <laughs> so nasty. Uh, I don't know. I think I've had enough yeah. of Muskrat Love, I'll be honest. Yeah. Yapping I, about it for a long this is, time. This is an episode, and it's, it's a good thing that we had as much to say about sitcoms as we did, because there really isn't a lot to say about this song. You hear it, you get it. And, or maybe you don't. And honestly, if you're listening to it and you listen to the song, you thought, well, it, it is kind of cute. Or I did kind of like it. Sorry. Hey, <clears throat> like what you like, you know, own it. I, I, I more, guess. more power to you. And yeah. I, I'm glad there are people out there because different strokes and all that. Hey, did we talk about the sitcom different strokes? Yeah. No, we I don't want to get sidetracked. <laughs> I don't want to get sidetracked. But I feel like if you like Muskrat Love, then there might be a 75 Granada sitting in your driveway. <laughs> I, was, I thought you were going to say there might be something wrong with you. Something <laughs> very, very wrong with you. Well, we can continue that and say that if you like Muskrat Love and you have a 75 Granada, there is something very wrong with you. <laughs> 
it's the perfect storm of run really for your is. life from this person. They might be oh, a serial killer. Oh crap! And th- that's that's one of the things. Look, I, I don't I don't want to diminish Tennille's voice. No, she really did. Have, she she has a, a a really good voice. You can talk about her taste in songs to choose to select to perform. But she really has a strong voice. But one of the things that I found really striking when watching the YouTube video is she, I think she's a robot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she, she just, it was the hugest, most synthetic looking smile I think I've ever seen. And I get it. It's, it's pop music in the 70s. It's a performative art. She's on camera in front of an audience. She's not going to be on there with, you know, she's. She's not Robert Smith. She's not going to be frowning it up, but it just, it was the most insurance salesy disingenuous. <laughs> disingenuous yeah. Yeah. It is unbelievable. Oh, yeah. And uh, At, rather two than seconds after to that, two seconds after that song ended, she tried to sell the crowd a timeshare <laughs> yeah, or life insurance. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's crazy. If you, if you get a chance and your options are to, listen to it on youtube or to watch a performance of it you need to watch, watch it. it because she has uh she is what do they say in jaws the, the doll's eyes the dead lifeless eyes of oh shark. yeah Oof. <laughs> the tom cruise emotionless smile yeah wow i'm so sorry to you're a gifted singer i'm sorry absolutely we loved your contributions on the wall <laughs> didn't even know they were there that's fantastic yeah anything else to add uh this song sucks <laughs> tough tough but fair tough but fair all right well thanks for joining us if you like what you hear please consider following us until next time keep listening to the music that means something and always try and listen with an open mind except muskrat love <laughs> And communication. <laughs>